Job chapter 36. Elihu also continued and said, Bear with me a little and I will show you, for I have something to say on God's behalf. I will get my knowledge from afar and I will ascribe righteousness to my maker. For truly my words are not false. One who is perfect in knowledge is with you. Behold, God is mighty and doesn't despise anyone. He is mighty in strength of understanding. He doesn't preserve the life of the wicked, but gives justice to the afflicted. He doesn't withdraw his eyes from the righteous, but with kings on the throne he sets them forever, and they are exalted. If they are bound in fetters and are taken in the cords of afflictions, then he shows them their work and their transgressions that they have behaved themselves proudly. He also opens their ears to instruction and commands that they return from iniquity. If they listen and serve him, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. But if they don't listen, they will perish by the sword, then they, they will die without knowledge. But those who are godless in heart lay up anger. They don't cry for help when he binds them. They die in youth. Their life perishes among the unclean. He delivers the afflicted out by their affliction and opens their ear in oppression. Yes, he would have allured you out of distress into a wide place where there is no restriction. That which is set on your table would be full of fatness. But you are full of the judgment of the wicked. Judgment and justice take hold of you. Don't let riches entice you to wrath. Neither let the great size of a bribe turn you aside. Would your wealth sustain you in distress or, the, or, or all the might of your strength? Don't desire the night when people are cut off in their place. Take heed, don't regard iniquity, for you have chosen this rather than affliction. Behold, God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? Who has prescribed his way for him? Or who can say you have committed unrighteousness? Remember that you magnify his work about which men have sung. All men have looked on it. Man sees it afar off. Behold, God is great, and we don't know him. The number of his years is unsearchable, for he draws up the drops of water, which distill in rain from his vapor, which the skies pour down, and which drop on man abundantly. Yes, can any understand the spreading of the clouds and the thunderings of his pavilion? Behold, he spreads his light around him. He covers the bottom of the sea. For by these he judges the people, he gives food in abundance, he covers his hands with the lightning and commands it to strike the mark. Its noise tells about him and the livestock also concerning the storm that comes up. These are the comments for Job chapter 36 and we're now five chapters into the six chapter long speech of Elihu, the 18th speech of the book. Now I never mentioned earlier um, when, when Elihu first came along as a surprise character in chapter 32, I think it was, um, I forgot to mention that some people actually think Elihu is the author of the book of Job. 
Um, I'm not really sure why they think that, but there are a couple of notable uh, people that think that, and one of them is Barnes, the famous Bible commentator. He believes that Elihu is the author of the book of Job. Whoever it is, it was definitely someone who lived at the time, and uh, Elihu lived at the time. It, it could even have been Job himself, not really sure, but I thought it was an interesting thing worth mentioning. In any case, he was a surprise character in chapter 32, and he's still speaking. This is chapter five out of six chapters of his speech, and this chapter is what they call the fourth speech of Elihu, because it begins with, moreover. Also, Elihu continued. So it, it gives you the impression that he's saying something new, but it's really a continuation of one big long speech. And it goes, this chapter and the next is counted as his fourth speech. Now, in verse 11, he says, he's talking to Job, he says, if people listen and serve God, they will spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. That's true only from an eternal point of view because sometimes people listen to God and they do not prosper. You think about Paul, you know, in the New Testament, he said that he knew what it was to prosper and he knew what it was, he said he knew what it was to abound, that is to prosper, and he knew what it was to be abased, that is to suffer or to struggle. He knew both. And here, Paul, someone who walked with the Lord, but he had a mixture of experiences in life. And um, so Elihu's comment that if people will listen, they will prosper, that's true in eternity, but in this life, it's only generally true. It's generally true because the Lord blesses people who listen, but there's always exceptions to it. Job was an exception. He says in verse 12, but if people don't listen, they will perish by the sword, they will die without knowledge. It's also true in eternity, that if people don't listen to God, they will die without knowledge. And I want to make the point that when people die and they go to hell, the, the people that are in hell, they die without knowledge. And I think this point of Elihu's is correct. We get the impression that when a person dies and they enter into eternity, it's, we, we somehow just automatically assume that they instantly know everything. Like, and we have these pictures in our minds of people in hell and they're saying, oh God, give me a second chance. You know, I repent, you know, let me live again and I'll follow you. And so we have this impression that somehow by being in hell, they've obtained the knowledge that they need to repent. And they've obtained the wisdom that God was, that, you know, I should have followed God all along and he's the right way and I owe him my life. So those impressions we have of hell, that comes from a Christian way of thinking, but the people in hell don't think that way. They don't have that knowledge. They die without knowledge. And in hell, there is no presence of God. There is no Holy Spirit. There's no one there convicting, of the, convicting them of their sin and explaining to them the right way. They're not able to repent. They're not able to see the truth. They're not able to see things from God's way. They're not capable of asking to be given a second chance. That's why there's no repentance in hell. The heart is permanently hardened like a state of being in concrete. They cannot change. They're dead without knowledge. And so more likely, I, you know, I'm just conjecturing, but more likely someone in hell is likely to blame God and accuse him and, you know, think all sorts of evil things and swear and curse and, and you know, how dare you put me here and, you know, generally be rude and mean and sinful. And, um, but those of us who, who go to heaven, we don't go there necessarily with all knowledge either, but we learn 
we're with the Lord for eternity. <laughs> See, that's why heaven's so wonderful, because the God is an eternal God. There's so much to learn about him. It's going to be wonderful. The process of getting to know God is going to be fabulous, and I'm looking forward to it. Elihu says to Job in verse 24, he says, Remember that you magnify his work about which men have sung. And I want to say that that was true of Job. That Job's life did magnify the Lord. I mean, we look back on Job now. And yeah, we praise the Lord because of Job. But I want to say that all people magnify the Lord. All people bring glory to God. If you're someone that lives a life that pleases God, then we glorify God because we see what he's done in you and we're, we're just so grateful. But if someone does not follow the Lord and they end up going to hell, we glorify God for his justice, for dealing with sin and punishing the wicked. And we say, Lord, let your name be glorified for you are righteous and just. So all people bring glory to God, whether through their life and serving him or whether through their demise and their punishment. So let our lives bring glory to God through our lives and our service to him. Father, let your name be glorified through our lives, through our service. Give us a heart to serve. Give us fruit, I pray. May your name be lifted up in Jesus' name. Amen.